are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Michael Sterling. And I am Paul Strolley. And you are indeed listening to State of the Arts. Yes, you are. And we would like to thank our presenting sponsor, Breakdown Services. Breakdown Services is the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services... Visit them at BreakdownExpress.com. Our thanks also goes out to PerformingArtsLive.com for their ongoing support of our live arts calendar. PerformingArtsLive.com is the most comprehensive such listing service in Southern California, enabling you to search events by date, category, and region. Great service, and we're grateful for both of them. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And uh, normally, Michael, I think uh, all of our listeners know, we uh, before we actually get to who our guests are today, we're very, very excited about both of our guests today. But uh, at this point in the show, you and I are usually a little more lighthearted than we are. We are we're yes. sort of uh, casual and uh, fun about our past week. But given the events of the world in the past week, we'd like to actually take this time and do something a little more uh, needed for the uh, worldwide humanitarian effort that uh, is needed for our our friends overseas who are suffering from this horrible, horrible disaster in Japan. So we'd like to take this time uh, to give a couple of uh, online organizations where people can go to lend support and donate uh, some much-needed support to these humanitarian efforts. Excellent idea. If I may, yes, Red Cross, of course, by contacting them through their website, redcross.org, O-R-G. And uh, another one is uh, worldvision.org slash helpjapan. That's worldvision.org slash helpjapan. And the last one we're recommending, ladies and gentlemen, is disasterfunding.org. Again, O-R-G, disasterfunding.org. And anything that you can donate toward uh, the cause of those uh, folks in Japan uh, would be so gratefully appreciated by more people than you can possibly imagine. As mm. we're learning on the news, every, right. it, it's something just catastrophic every day that we're learning. And you mentioned also something, Michael, that sadly ends at about 5 o'clock today, but there was mm-hmm. a whole humanitarian effort at the Rose Bowl today. That's people correct. donating right. goods and services yes. or whatever they could. In association with the ABC television uh, network here in Los Angeles. Right. Well, we will uh, we will actually continue to do this uh, for the next couple of weeks. Some mentioned we will also put these links up on our websites, website, that's stateoftheartsla.com, stateoftheartsla.com, to let people know where and when they can donate. So now on to the art section of our uh, of our uh, episode today. We have uh, two guests with us. Michael, do you want to... Uh, Share with our listeners. I about, would be uh, more than happy to. Who we have. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get right to it today. We have with us in studio Robert Buecher, Executive Director of the All-New Valley Performing Arts Center at Cal State University at Northridge. Welcome, Robert. Great to be here. Thank you. Nice to have you. And we'll be speaking with Mr. Buecher about this stunning $125 million performing arts facility right here in the heart of California's San Fernando Valley, coming up in the second half of today's program. Yes, Michael, it's truly an extraordinary theater, uh, known as the Great Hall there, the Valley Performing Arts Center. And it will actually host our next guest, uh, who is uh, calling in from Illinois, who's on tour currently, but he's on stage in the compelling FDR, a one-man tour de force about President Franklin Delano Roosevelt for one night only this week, actually, Thursday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, I think we have him on the line right now, one of America's most distinguished actors, Mr. Edward Asner. Mr. Asner, are you there? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, before we actually get started to uh, chat with you, Mr. Asner, I just want to say that we... uh, we know that you're on tour, and we know that you're doing a one-person show. And having done both myself, a one-person show, and toured with it, I understand how precious your days off are. So I can't tell you how grateful we are to have you on the air with us. We are, we are truly appreciative. You're a dear soul. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Azner, um, we wanted to start off asking you uh, some questions, of course, about uh, your work. But in particular about what you're doing right now, and I don't think there's any dispute that uh, Roosevelt was one of our greatest presidents, but political prowess aside, what personal characteristics do you think made him such an honored leader? Uh, His charm, his charm, his charm, his charm. I regard him as a chameleon, one who was able to uh, to con wonderfully well <laughs> to get disparate types to work together and uh, to assure all and and sundry that he favored them the most and uh uh they would just play along with him that he'd get the job done get the he'd job. get what they wished and that that is the consummate leader uh Somebody that you could call a son of a bitch under any other circumstances, <laughs> but uh, and and undoubtedly he was so often. But uh, uh, to um, uh, to get all those people to work with him, to get their ideas in there, to stick with him, uh, uh, and and in in particular uh, on the on the Jewish angle, if you want to just take that for a second. You know, the the turning back of the St. Louis, and uh, I narrated a documentary on the failure to bomb Auschwitz. Yes, yes. And and uh, that that uh, was, a, you know, should have been enough to anger uh, Morgenthau, who just stayed in there all the time trying to do what he could. And I think he realized that sticking with Roosevelt would accomplish more good than leaving in a huff. Right. Right. No, that's a, it's fascinating. I think one of the things you said uh, in regard to that, I was reading an interview uh, online uh, where you, you discuss his uh, personality and, and elements of those things that he did. And, and the quote, if you don't mind being quoted, uh, I think that w- was really eloquent, was a greatness does not mean 100% purity. And I think that's just a great, a, a, a great way to put it. Really exactly. Well. Well, we haven't nailed Mother Teresa yet, but we're working on it. Ah, that conniving wench. When will we get her? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God it's internet radio. I can't say what I want about uh, Mother Teresa. Uh, St. Joan, we know about. (laughs) Mr. Uh, Asner, um, FDR is based uh, in large part on a a play by, I believe, is it Dory Sherry? Yes. And and that's Sunrise at uh, Campobello. Now, aside from the obvious rescripting to make it a solo show, are there any uh, significant content or style changes to the original piece? Oh, I diddle with it. Uh, I, I'll admit to that. But uh, it's all in the purpose of humor, and uh, and I think I stay legit while diddling with it. Oh, oh, so oh, I got you. So there's a. There's a last-minute edits on stage. Is that how we're what we're calling it these days? <laughs> yes, that's that's right. Yeah. I, I mean, for instance, the other night there was a, a an enormous uh, uh, sh- 
on the um, on the sound system. So I merely waited it out and finally calmly told the audience, "Gas." <laughs> um, I, mean, so, I mean, we always have occurrences like that, and that's what makes it fun. <laughs> well, actually, we're going to ask you that question toward the end of our uh, little interview today about uh, your uh, given someone with your uh, performance history, and it would be interesting to hear some of uh, one or two of your nightmare stories from on stage, uh, embarrassing things that have. Oh, don't, don't, don't put me through that nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say I'll say you're a victim. <laughs> I um uh being that uh, FDR is one of the most uh chronicled presidents and people are so aware of him. Do you find that the uh, speaking of audience interaction, do you find through the audience interaction or response uh that there are elements of his presidency or his personal life that come as a real surprise to people? Yeah, well, for instance, until I got the script in my hand, I never knew he called Eleanor Babs. I think most people didn't. Uh, and you know what? What a, what a switch from Eleanor to Babs. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. is, that is quite it, a switch. It, it, it's a hundred and eighty degree difference. Uh, the uh, the um, the infidelity is broached on. Uh, not admitted to, but broached on. But uh, now, I'm sorry to interrupt that, you, uh, but uh, Sunrise, now, the play that it's based on, that was written before awareness of the infidelity uh, was, the, before there was awareness, am I correct? Yeah, this, this takes place after after Sunset, Sunrise. Okay. Uh, you can call it Sunset. Uh <laughs> It uh, it begins with him roughly tell talking about his uh, his uh, paralysis and how he succumbed to it and uh, and fought it and uh, it certainly is a cardinal aspect of his character and I think that his triumph plus the fact he had a wonderfully cooperative media which I don't think you'll find anymore uh, that uh, never talked about his being crippled, and we never saw him in a wheelchair. Right. I think the only thing that I can think of is that the famous shot, and it's just that the only reason they are famous is because there's so few of them, because of what you you said, the the respect that uh, is no longer uh, for our public (laughs) figures. Uh, in most cases, uh, the the photo of the two soldiers who were holding him and and I think I guess moving him into position uh, for a, a public appearance. There's two uh, soldiers who actually have him sort of, you know, in that old the fireman cradle where they have their yeah, hands yeah, crossed. Yeah, yeah, And uh, uh, and he you know he was a big man. He was quite a bundle. Uh, was that at a, a national public appearance or was it possibly? On one of his foreign uh, conferences, Yalta or anything like that. I don't remember uh, mm-hmm. the event because the thing that sticks with me was actually the glare. Because the look on his face, glaring directly at this photographer, is really the thing that sticks with you. Oh, really? The, so uh, he was not pleased. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Just, but yet, oh, yeah. not not pleased, but yet still just how. It says something about the man that there could be a photo like that where two soldiers basically have him, in effect, cradled, uh, uh, and uh, there's no diminish in dignity, there's no diminish in grandeur, there's no, I mean, he's just, 
It just happens to be sitting that way, you know, and it's just it's, yeah. it's a very very powerful photograph. Well, he 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 thought he was a gift of God. I think his mother probably made him feel that way. <laughs> he had that phenomenal relationship with his mother. So you're saying he and, actually had a Jewish mother? Is that what you're saying? Are it all mothers, if they're really mothers Jewish? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he certainly regarded himself as a prince. If not a Jewish prince, then certainly a prince. You know, Mr. Asner, um, one of the call things... Call me Ed. Call me oh, Ed. May Let's we do that? Oh, thank uh, you so much. We were going to... I mean, I'm certainly your elder, but I, I, I won't lord it over you. See, but all right. But all day long, I've been practicing Edward, because I know that professionally you prefer Edward, so I've been... Yeah, but that that's a failed job, too. I finally <laughs> gave up. You can call me Ed. And I was going to great lengths to uh, contain myself from calling you Mr. Grant. So, you know. uh, you, you're no Mary. I'm sure I am not. <laughs> I am sure I am not, boy. Um, Ed, this is your third tour, I believe, of FDR, and you've been all over the country with the current political climate being so polarized. Do you find that audiences uh, are reacting along their uh, party lines? I think uh, we even get a sprinkling of Republicans (laughs) who who are willing, willing to grudgingly admit to that democrat but perhaps no other uh, i think they, they they certainly are aware i, I think primarily they're, they're the republicans who don't want any of the tea party uh going down but uh they they appreciate the type of democrat that uh that uh roosevelt gave them right right i um I, I think I think that there has been a, a great uh, undercurrent of well first of all I think I think the dedication of the Republican Party to destroying the New Deal has been constant ever since uh, Roosevelt died. Yes. I think it is it has been the main policy of the Republican Party. So that uh, uh, I have I to I, that, I have to tell you that Robert is is nodding very <laughs> Robert's nodding yeah. significantly into the microphone here. Maybe we'll touch on that when we talk to him a little uh, later. All right, good, good. I'm glad to hear that, Robert. <laughs> uh, but but I, I I think that uh, they they would have nothing to attack if it weren't for Roosevelt because he established he 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 was the key to it all. And and if any, any of you have have read those second four freedoms that he proposed at the beginning of 1945, which, if he had lived and implemented, we wouldn't have most of the problems we have today. I mean, they, they, one was education, jobs, housing, health. And uh, I'm sure he would have worked assiduously to accomplish those. And uh, unfortunately, we still battle it out. He was the, he but anyway, uh, uh, I think that there's a good chance. The more I do him, the more I think he's probably the greatest president we've had. And I, you know, I certainly, I, I don't want to diminish Lincoln. So God knows he was a great one. But but um, uh, Roosevelt, as great as he was, I think has received far too little credit in this country. And that's because of the enemies that still exist. Right. 
Right. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, in addition to, uh, before I forget, because this is, but it, he is the architect behind the WPA too, isn't he? Wasn't wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, was, yeah. Okay. I went to a high school. It's still gorgeous. Not very good air conditioning, I'll tell you, but it's gorgeous. And uh, it was built by WPA. Oh, yeah. My mother's, uh, I believe it was uh, Evander Childs in the Bronx. I believe that Evander Childs High School was built during the WPA. Too. Really? Yeah. My grandfather yeah. worked on it, too. I remember that. Wow. Um, the, uh, this, uh, the interview that I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm sorry, Ed. I actually called him Ed, Michael. I did. Uh, hey! Don't <laughs> get nervous, Paul. Uh, well, I actually, I'm not nervous yet. I'll be nervous when I ask him a question in, in, in a moment. The interview that I read uh, earlier, Ed, said uh, that you're working on a second solo show. Is that something you can share with us at this time? Do you prefer not to? Or? Yeah, I, 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 I don't I, I'm working on it. Whether I'll ever mount it, I, I don't know. I've done readings of it. It's uh, it's written by Emily Beck, and it's called Numbers of People. And it's about a Holocaust survivor who, after the war, becomes a statistician. And he talks about his life. And unfortunately, at the time we meet him, he's going into dementia. Okay. Uh, it is not a pretty story. I think he is a marvelous individual. And his description of events in his life and the Holocaust and his relationship with his family, a wife and daughter, are just so beautiful. And the fact he becomes a statistician because he believes that people must be accounted for. And so he goes around the world with whatever agency hires him, UN, I suppose, in many cases, and notes down the number of people killed in genocides and marks upon their the particular ones that he encounters because people must people must be accounted for and i think it's a beautiful story not a happy story but it's also very difficult to learn it's it's far more complex than than fdr and only if fdr Poops out. Uh, <laughs> it does sound like a will I, story. Will I then turn around and begin afresh filling my brain with the hour and 40 minutes it would take to present this gentleman? Yeah. It is uh, It is quite a challenge. Having done it myself, I know what it is to do a solo show. What did you do? What did? You, what was your solo? I did I did an autobiographical one-person show on the road on and off for about nine years. It was called Straight Up With a Twist, and it tells the story of my life. Well, the, the tagline on it was, the world is a cruel place when you're a straight guy with good taste and a great eye for color. So that was the uh, that was a sort of pre predates the whole metrosexual thing, and I'm almost embarrassed mentioning it in, in at the same time of a solo show about FDR because it was obviously significantly lighter in tone. But she did it for nine years. Yeah. And that introduction alone, you cheated because that introduction alone takes 20 minutes. <laughs> I was going to say that introduction seemed like it about nine years. But um, one of the things I wanted to ask you as we uh, wind down with you, uh, uh, Ed, is uh, I wanted to ask you about something. Uh, and I hate to. Uh, I know you've probably talked to uh, talked to your blue in the face about the old uh, Mary Tyler Moore days, and I know you've done a million things uh, between then and now. But what I'm most curious about: you're the first actor to win an Emmy Award 
for playing the same uh, character on a comedy and a drama. That would be Lou Grant on the Mary Tyler Moore Show and, of course, Lou Grant on the show uh, that bore his name. And I'm, I'm very, very curious as an actor what the process was like for you to take uh, the same character and put him in a completely different uh, backdrop, a different tone, uh, a different style of uh, television show. What was that? I was uh, a fool. <laughs> I was a fool. What do you expect? I mean, I mean, nobody. The the great Jim Brooks and the great Alan Burns, the the my two producer writers, who I asked to produce the Lou Grant show, uh, had never done an hour show. None of the crew had ever done an hour show, a series that is. Nobody had done an hour show. Nobody knew what it was like. Nobody. I, I mean, for for instance, you know, I was constantly, constantly told to, and don't forget who Luke Grant is. You're the torchbearer. You're carrying him along, so forth and so on. Nobody else is there, and uh, there was there were laughs on the on the Luke Grant show. So I would uh, I would uh, uh, try to use body language to. Tell the audience, because the crew couldn't laugh, we had no audience, uh, to tell the audience at home that this is a laugh line. I mean, I was such a knife. Oh, my God. It was horrible. It was truly horrible. Nobody did it before, and nobody will ever do it again. It's an impossibility. Ed, we uh, want to tell people who are listening to us today that you are performing FDR in Illinois, which is where we're speaking to you from today, and in Woodstock you'll be appearing in FDR. And then on Thursday, Los Angeles has the good fortune of seeing you once again here in FDR at the Valley Performing Arts Center at Cal State University at Northridge. Thursday, March 17th, 8 p.m., St. Patrick's Day, and tickets may be purchased by visiting the Valley Performing Arts Center box office on campus at Cal State University of Northridge by calling the box office directly at 818-677-3000 or online at Ticketmaster.com. And it is an amazing facility. I was lucky enough to be there for the inaugural performance that was with Loudon Wainwright and Sean Colvin. And uh, what's wonderful about it, and I think that uh, audiences will appreciate this when they go to see uh, Mr. Asner in FDR, is that it is a large room with an astounding sense of intimacy because of the way it's designed. It's almost like Jacobean in the stacked uh, seating. Uh, it's beautifully appointed, and uh, I think it's it's... It's going to be nice to see a one-person show in a space that Absolutely. big it has that sort of intimacy. And the sound is impeccable there as well. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What the you sound say, is impeccable. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Mr. Asner, Ed, thank you so much. We're so grateful to have you on the air, and uh, we really look forward to seeing FDR this Thursday. Well, I can't wait to do it for my valley neighbors. Okay. And when you do come back to town and you have a little bit of a breather, we would love to have you on to talk about the other project, about the statistician, because that, I mean, even if it's not uh, ready to hit the boards, it would be a fascinating thing to talk about. So please uh, let us know when you're back. I'll be delighted. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Okay, right. I'm going to You say. made me feel at home. <laughs> Very nice, sir. Thank, Thank you, you so much. That was... Uh, Ed Asner, we talked to Ed Asner. That was just a, a did indeed. That was an absolute joy. I really appreciate it. 
We have an arts calendar, Paul, that we need to kick off here briefly, and then we yes, have a review that's coming from our new segment on the show this week. Yes, we do. We do. Let me. You want me to kick off the arts calendar? I'm here? happy to I do that if you like. No, I can. Or kick you want to do that? I'm I sorry. Can I can kick it off. No, no. 100 Days by Waiko Lin finds a college circuit comedian reconnecting with his estranged and married high school sweetheart after the death of his Buddhist mother, because Taiwanese tradition dictates that a man has 100 days to marry after his mother's death in order to ease her transition. The play, directed by Brett Erickson, was partially inspired by the death of Lynn's own mother. Uh, don't miss this world premiere comedy at the Loft Ensemble downtown Los Angeles now through April 16th. And for tickets, please visit their website at loftensemble.com. I would be right in. For more information about events in our arts calendar, you can visit either stateofthearts.la.com or performingartslive.com, where you can also check out what's happening in Southern California every day of the week. Now, Michael, I am very excited about this next thing. Before we get to Robert, uh, we're actually kicking off a new segment today. This is mm-hmm. called Regional Spotlight. And I love it, yeah. One of our listeners from back east called us on our... We have this tagline for L.A. and beyond, Robert, the way we raise ourselves and this listener rightfully pointed out that we've been a little slow in getting beyond LA so this first feature uh, will spotlight a historic venue in Terrytown, New York. This is the Terrytown Music Hall and we're actually going to be speaking to that listener very shortly. This is an avid supporter of the arts in our show who she's uh, listened to our show quite a bit and uh, she said you know you don't I don't here you say L.A. and beyond, but I don't... Uh, we, we do go reach out to New York. We do. We've talked about New York many a time and had many wonderful guests from yes, the theater there. we have, but I thought like the idea of having some sort of... Uh, but a review, this will be the first. Yes, yes. it will be the first yeah. review of a... Uh, and I believe we may have her on the line right now. Let me take a look and see if she is there. We'll give a listen in, and we're looking for... Carrie Bashak is our listener from back east. Do we have her on the line right now? I'm here. How she, are you doing? She's here. So Hello, Miss Bashak. This is Michael Sterling. And thank you. Thank you. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We also have Robert Buecher in the studio today listening to your uh, review that you're going to be giving us. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here talking to you. And, uh, Carrie, did you listen at all to our interview with... Uh, Ed Asner, who I'm now on a first-name basis with, by the way. Ah, how neat was that? (laughs) (laughs) At the risk of sounding like I'm oversimplifying it, that's amazing. (laughs) Well, I I can guarantee that I dug it just as much as you dug it. Uh, Let's get to your thing here, Carrie. Tarrytown Music Hall uh, in Tarrytown, New York, which a lot of people know as uh, Sleepy Hollow because that's where Washington Irving lived when he wrote the story about that area. Rich history there. They're celebrating. They celebrated an anniversary recently. Isn't that true? Yes, absolutely. Uh, They just celebrated their 125th anniversary. And this was my first time actually visiting the town. No, it wasn't. I went there briefly just to see your show, Paul. But I don't think I had been in Terrytown since then. And I had dinner in the town. It's a charming little area. The the music hall is is beautiful. It is. It seats about eight hundred. Very, very old, very rich. Um, I also learned that it has the distinction of being just one of only 6% of the theaters in the U.S. built prior to 1900. 
And they do a lot of, uh, I know they have a lot of people through the doors there over the course of the year, Carrie, but they do a lot of children's programming, too. Is that true? They do, yeah. They attract about 80,000 people a year, and of that, 30,000 are children. Wow, that's a very, very so strong program. It's just wonderful for the town and the community uh, how much how much they do and how much they bring in, too. Now, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is because I mentioned uh, Valley Performing Arts Center, which we have Robert Bucher on about today, and I had attended the performance of uh, Loudon Wainwright III and Sean Colvin, and it was actually that performance that you attended at the Terrytown Music Hall. It was their same tour, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And, and how did you enjoy that? I, oh, it was amazing. I'm a huge Loudon Wainwright fan. I had never had the opportunity to see him live, and um, it was just wonderful. Sean Colvin's style of of um, uh, folk is a little more contemporary. Loudon's is a little more traditional. True. The two of them together was just so entertaining. Uh, some great duets. You know, Loudon's... Uh, I just love his his writing. It's it's so personal, yeah. and there's really nothing that's off limits. So that's you find yourself <laughs> really thinking about it and laughing, and and the next minute you've got tears in your eyes. <laughs> you you know, know, it's so funny that you mention that. It's just it's a testament to a good performer because you know here here she is watching. Uh, Loudon Wainwright and Sean Colvin in a venue that's 125 years old, and uh, I saw them in a in a $125 million uh, facility that is brand new, and I could concur on everything that she's saying about the performance. So that's uh, that's just uh, wonderful. Uh, Carrie, for the people who are in that area, uh, in that Terrytown and just outside Manhattan area, who's coming to the music hall next? Oh, yes, who's coming? Yeah, they've got a pretty packed calendar uh, throughout the spring. So just to highlight a few, uh, Gato Barbieri is coming in April. Um, Boz Skaggs will also be performing, as well as Boz Dave Skaggs. Mason really? in, in April. Um, the Clearwater concert, which uh, I had the luxury of seeing on Pete Seeger's 90th birthday in New York City, uh, will be towards uh, the latter part of April as well. And I, I really highly recommend this for Pete Seeger fans because it's just a wonderful, wonderful tribute. And you really learn a lot about what he's, what he's done um, for New York. Um, and, again, we've got uh, Bruce Cockburn in, oh, in May, and there's a full list on the website. I, I really highly recommend this venue. Um, you wouldn't be disappointed. Okay, so speaking of website, Carrie, what is the website there? Uh, the website is uh, www.carrytownmusical.com. Org. Boy, I hate it when they, make it when they make it complicated like that. That's <laughs> yeah, no, that took me a long time to nail down. <laughs> and there's a phone number as well to further complicate things. Um, 877-840-0457. That's the number of Ticket Force. And, um, you know, there's a full list of newly added shows and, and local events. But a wonderful little venue and a great opportunity for me. I so appreciate um, State of the Arts giving me this opportunity. Well, we thank you, and I know Michael thanks you. Absolutely a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being so insightful for our listeners uh, here in Los Angeles and also for those across the country. Oh, wonderful. Thanks for reaching out to me, and I love the show. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. We'll talk again soon. Yes. Take care now. Bye now. Right. Bye-bye.
What a lovely woman she was. I know. Huh? Yeah, she just was very vocal. She sent us an email, and she was like, you know, it's L.A. and beyond, but we I don't like uh, hear enough about beyond. So I And I knew that uh, Loudon and Sean Colvin were uh, a show that I had seen. I said, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who sees it in a different Indeed, venue. I like it. It's it, our, our grassroots, grassroots segment. Took flight. Today, exactly. Right? Exactly. So now we can get to the uh, to our second uh, guest and our first in studio one. Michael, Indeed. would you give him the introduction that he deserves? I will. He is a graduate of Harvard University's Management Development Program and Institute for Management and Leadership in Education. He also earned Doctor of Musical Arts and Master of Music degrees at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and is currently Dean of the Mike Kerb College of Arts, Media, and Communication, and Executive Director of the Valley Performing Arts Center at California State University. Please welcome Robert Buecher. We don't bring out the applause for just anybody. That's Robert's right. Saying. Wow. <laughs> I'm in awe. <laughs> we, don't, we don't mean to lose you with all our technical jargon here. We, have, we don't have that many, but uh, just be thankful I didn't use this one. Oh, yeah. That may come, though. It probably I am depends grateful. On how, yes. No, no, I am grateful. Okay. Well, welcome, Robert, and so nice to have you in synergy with Mr. Asner coming to your gorgeous theater well, next it's, week. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking the time. I told uh, Paul, I told Robert that at least we got him out of the, the office for the rest of the afternoon. He didn't have to go back, so they're letting him go home this evening. Uh, yes, yes. Home to uh, Studio City. So you are new to California. We've discovered that uh, four years. Correct. I mean, if Correct. you're here six months, you're a native. You understand that out here. <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah. Understand. And you live in the San Fernando Valley here, and you work in the San Fernando Valley. And I must tell you, really, just Paul and I both, as Paul said, had the he had the pleasure of attending uh, the Loudon Wainwright and uh, Sean uh, Colvin concert. And I saw my first experience was Betty Buckley and Marvin Hamlish. Right. And wow, what an evening that was. Right. And you know who I was? I, I mean, Betty Buckley is an extraordinary performer for sure and an icon in American musical theater. But Marvin Hamlish for me was so not what I expected of the man. I mean, he's charming. He's funny. The storytelling, the music, of course, that he uh, is responsible for uh, contributing to, you know, throughout his career and played in front of what I believe it was a 40-piece orchestra behind him that night was absolutely so enjoyable. Every 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 part of working with Marvin was was a gift. Um, he's the most efficient rehearsal conductor I have ever seen in my life. I'm sure. He worked he worked with the orchestra, knew exactly what he wanted them to do, was very clear, got it done, um, came in and did his portion of the program so tightly, mm-hmm. so very tightly. Mm-hmm. And um, when you do that kind of a program. There are all sorts of things that kind of can fray out from the edges right, in, in, in that kind of a of, of an opportunity, and he just knew exactly how to glue it together. It was it was really really a, a lesson in watching a real pro. I particularly appreciated the fact that I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is the orchestra composed of students from the university, or a, or, or perhaps it's partially students from the university right. and then professional musicians as well? That was a, that was a group of young professional musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, all out of undergraduate school. Mm-hmm. Most of them are in graduate programs in the region. Some mm-hmm. of them have finished the graduate programs. Mm-hmm. They ranged in age from 24 to 37. Wow. 
I love the fact, you see, Paul, what he did, Marvin did, is he addressed them individually, not everyone, of course, but individuals he, he kind of plucked out for whatever he was talking about and had such great fun with them, and they him. Oh, they loved him. I mean, him. they had, for the younger ones, of course, they didn't have reference uh, to things that he was talking about. Right. Perhaps, which he kind of got on their case a little bit. Oh, uh, absolutely. It was an <laughs> educational experience for them. Yes. In, uh, but you could see <laughs> Is this. that the most polite way to put it? <laughs> but they, they, were, they were very dear because they, they did get a, he did get a smile on their faces, you know, for... For that, and and he was giving them an uh, yes, you're right, an educational well, experience. Well, and and he's just a master teacher. Yeah. I mean, he was a master teacher for this for the for the young people playing. Uh, quite frankly, he was a master teacher for Betty, and he was also a master teacher for the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the 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 adventure that he took people on. Right. Just in 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 reviewing his own book of mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. was was a fascinating lesson. And Betty was a, a replacement for Joel Gray, is that correct? Betty was a replacement for the very busy Joel Gray. Right. right now. Yes. Right. Yes. So she kind of came into it uh, not very last minute, but reasonably last so. Yeah, we uh, a couple of months. Yeah. It, uh, we really had plenty of time to 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 plan mm-hmm. that and 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 make it make it all work and it worked with her schedule really really well. Yeah. And um they really enjoyed working together. Uh, it, it seems so, and especially she had the uh, opportunity to come out at the very end of his section of the show, which was closing the show, of course, and sing his song, Memories, from the motion picture, The Way We Were. Oh, okay, you just threw me, because you said Memories, and I immediately thought Memory, Memory. from Cats, which, which she's, she's also known for. Yes, yeah. of course, and she sang that in her section of the show. She opened for him. Okay, so, so opened with Memory, closed with Memories. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, that's, uh, you know, I remember, Michael, when you when you reviewed, uh, Michael reviewed the performance on, the, on our show, and uh, that actually stuck with me, the description, because it, in all honesty, when I heard... Um, it, because it's not as much my gig as it is your gig. It would appeal to you a little more because you're much more musically inclined than I am. Uh, but then when you started to describe it and the way, especially the way uh, Mr. Hamlish interacted with the with the audience mm-hmm. and, and how, you know, sort of casual but elegant that he was, it I was very, very sorry I missed it because it really sounded like it was a real kick. Yeah, it was. And, and if they come back again, you'll have to be there, Paul, for sure. But in the interim, you've got so many amazing artists and such a diverse lineup how do how do you go about selecting here you've got Joan Rivers for example or you've just had Joan Rivers excuse me recently right on the right. first that's going to be our soundbite Michael I'm going to say you just had Joan Rivers that's what we're going to put we're going to put that <laughs> as our soundbite Michael Serling <laughs> just had Joan Rivers on LA Talk Radio sorry about that. sorry about that and uh, Joan sorry about that too uh, but Joan, oh, trust me, Joan doesn't mind. <laughs> Joan uh, was uh, at Valley Performing Arts Center on the 1st of March, and subsequently they have uh, a, gosh, a, a lineup that goes from a Midsummer uh, Night's Dream within the complex there to various. And uh, you, is there any that uh, come to mind that you'd like to kind of point out for the remaining part of March that you think that uh, our listeners would be interested in? Well, certainly. We we uh, right after the Ed Asner performance this Thursday on Saturday night, we present Roseanne Cash. Wow, and, yes, uh, love her. Uh, she's a fabulous artist, and uh, that should be very exciting. the The following sun, uh, Saturday, we follow up with Azure Barton, an artist, a fantastic modern dance company, um, and that's that takes us through the month. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Ed Asner performance is is right in the middle of our of our season. This this is our first semester of programming opening as we did on the 29th of January. So we have 15 events at the center. 
um, the Midsummer Night's Dream that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. We just uh, did a uh, a public run of that of that performance in the new Experimental Theater, the 175 right. seat Experimental Theater, and um, that's a student production. And then that that production will go on for the next four weeks in that space for uh, middle school and high school students from public schools in the San Fernando Valley. That's so they'll, they'll be best to the campus. It's interesting to me that it's taken all these many years for the San Fernando Valley, you know, which is really a mecca of entertainment with the studios and everything sure else that no. we have out here, sure. to have our own performing arts center on this particular level. I mean, we have some great theaters uh, in, in the area of Hollywood that are close by to us, in one of our historic theaters, the El Portal Theater, which has been here for years and years and years. But it's a it's a small house, two theaters inside, I'm sure. Have you been there yet? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you know. But to have something as magnificent as this venue is, wow, thank you. Thank you know, you. and for those of us that live up there, I mean, I live in, Monica and I, we live in Tarzana. You know, it's just what we get on receipt. It's a straight shot yeah. north and cut over, and it's just, uh, it couldn't be uh, it couldn't be more convenient. And the other thing, too, is once you park there, I, I encourage people to get there early, park, the, just a the little walk down from the parking structure to the venue. It's like walking through an orange grove. I, I think it is. It's, in it's a, a very yeah. It actually walk. is walking yeah. through an orange it's a little, grove. It's a little long walk. It's a Uh-oh. little bit long. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Michael. <laughs> no, it's, you know why I say that? Because the night that I... This is this coming from the guy who drives here from Jinkies, half a block away. This is... <laughs> this we is have so our lunch. Okay. <laughs> Don't consider... No, one. no, no. It was uh, their performance, Betty and Marvin's performance, was on that night that was extremely windy, very cold, right. and, uh, you know, a lot of moisture in the air. Right. And just the, the walk was uh, breath breathtaking by the time that I had gotten there. But no, I, I, I kid you about that. I mean, Paul's right. It's it's not that far. It's a lovely uh, it's a lovely walk through the grounds there. You know, right, up through to the Orange Grove. Yes, exactly. So the, the next time you're there, be sure to ask for your personalized Michael Sterling rickshaw to take you directly <laughs> from the parking structure. <laughs> well, no, see, I thought they had, had valet parking, but I think that was just for the gala opening, yeah, right? Right, yeah. right. But everybody uh, can use a little walk in their life, and, and why not walk into something where you're going to see something... Uh, Live on stage in a beautiful venue. What's that? Well, right? you mentioned something too, Robert, that I did not know about. You mentioned a 175 seat space. Is that in? Is that in the same structure? Is that right. a new facility? Right. Or? The, the facility also includes um, some academic space, um, and that new experimental theater is a part of that academic space. We'll also be presenting some professional performances in there, but that's that's a place for the students to work, and okay. it is it is truly a state of the art performance area designed with a grid above the entire performance floor doesn't you don't have to have a ladder in this place oh okay the yeah. the, the technicians can w- literally walk across the whole above right. above just, the performance just surface. go upstairs Absolute, and work absolutely, like absolutely, from the absolutely. attic yeah yeah it's it's really it's really remarkable space uh, are the uh, the performances there that are uh, student run are they are they Promoted on the same way on the website with the other. Absolutely. Um, okay. Our our major our major way of of marketing that programming is a brochure, a calendar that we do every semester of all the programming. Okay. In the in in the college and at the center, and then also online. All of that information is is, is available online. Okay, good. So then it's a one stop because I know a lot of the times, especially in academia, you go and it's like, oh, this is for the students, so you have to go to this. But it's a one stop shop. Go to the website and uh, 
check out and check out both support the students work as well as the uh, professional people that are coming through absolutely just as important and they do a nice thing of course with the students too I believe they get a, a, a reasonably attractive discount if yeah, they, they get attend. A, they get a very good discount yeah. uh, when we when we uh, when we scale the house um, I have a $15 ticket mm-hmm. for them and they also the students get a 40% discount on any ticket Oh, that's great. So, Sweet. On that so, student budget. so they so they can up they can upgrade. Plus, the other thing too is that the students are able to make more money by wheelbarrowing the guests from the parking structure over to the thing, Michael. So maybe you could look into. <laughs> well, that. There you go. <laughs> and I tip heavily. For do that. you? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And it must have been very exciting for you to come out to Los Angeles four years ago and and uh, take residency there on on campus and and this project, uh, of course, which was uh, you know happening at that that point in time i believe right it was the planning the initial stages for it was happening yes michael i i wouldn't have come to la without this project right <laughs> i mean um the, the and the project wouldn't be happening without the vision of the president uh, jolene kester mm-hmm. and she's a very very persuasive person and uh, i think you have to be yeah in a position she's, a, like she's that. very very persuasive but I had never imagined living in Southern California. You know, I'm a Midwestern guy. I've lived in New York. I, I love, I've been very lucky. I've loved what I've done mm-hmm. throughout my, my professional career. But uh, San Fernando Valley, you know, <laughs> Northridge, I had to look it up on the map. I didn't know you guys. I, had, I knew where the San Fernando Valley was. And I and I traveled in and out of Los Angeles a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh Northridge, <laughs> you know. You only can uh, with our quake. That's probably. Yeah, I was just going to say. There, and yeah. and you know, I I mean, the higher ed business is like every other business. It's about relationships. And sure. the provost and I had worked together at the University of Minnesota, and so um, he knew that I understood what real winter was like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he flew me out here in November. Mm-hmm. And um, how kind of him. It yeah. looked really pretty good yeah. in November. Yeah. You, you know, I hadn't I hadn't uh, had to sit in traffic yet and uh, so uh, the building but the building, the promise of the building, certainly to come out and be the dean of the college is a wonderful opportunity and I'm having a wonderful time doing that, but the opportunity to be a part of building this kind of a facility is a very exciting one, and and then to program in the building. I mean, that's that's truly dessert. Mm-hmm. That that really is dessert right. because the the it is a beautiful facility. Um, you gentlemen are so kind to 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 say the nice things about it. It it is what we're hearing from all of our artists. Um, Kiri Chikana was Saturday night. It was a totally acoustic concert. She stopped after the second song and talk to the audience about what a special room it was. Really? She well, said, it, it really is. Yeah, that. she said, you just, you can't know what a remarkable acoustic this is in a new building. Right. And so, um, you know, you can, you, can, you can hear so well mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. the, oh, in the facility. Monica equated it to the, uh, the Disney Concert Hall, because we saw a performance down there, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the sure. big place downtown with which is renowned for acoustics and monica was just like yeah i just thought, could one not one thing i wanted to point out real quickly in the design the interior design of the theater i found this fascinating i've never seen this in a theater before and on each side and in, in, in the orchestra but above the orchestra is that row of single seats that right. are like box seats but right. they're not really box seats right i call those my business class seats because they all swivel <laughs> you see and i saw that <laughs> happening and i thought how cool is that if especially if you're going by yourself to the theater right right 
you know, there are those people and there are those occasions, you know, and to have one of those seats where, where you don't feel alone, yet you are alone. And it's in a. Did you notice those poems? I did. I yeah. did notice them. Yeah. Wow, I thought that was a great idea. Of, of yeah. who, who was the designer of the uh, Her name is Kara Hill, mm-hmm. um, a woman um, in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time the project was was uh, was being planned, uh, she worked for an architectural firm HGA that actually has uh, offices here in in California in in Los Angeles, and. Uh, you know, she she was the designer. She's quite a brilliant designer. No, so I, I took I, a Midwesterner to yeah, come out so here and design a, a, a beautiful theater for us. Well, the the other thing I noticed that I mentioned when we were on with with Ed, who's now my pal, Ed, <laughs> Mr. Grant, uh, Mr. Grant, uh, <laughs> was the fact that you know initially I went to the website and uh, I looked at the the schematic of the, you know, sort of the exploded diagram right. of the uh, of the seating, and I was just like, oh, wow, look at this. There's a loge, there's a mezzanine, there's this, you're going to be nosebleed. And then you get there, and you are li- and you look up on these tiers, and it's like, and all the seats are good. I yeah. mean, even the right. top level, yeah. I, I, I don't think they're more than, at, in the worst scenario, more than 75 feet from the stage. It's not, I mean, and I, I'm just pulling that number out of my... On my hat. Well, you were you were talking about the the the, the proportion of the room before. Right. The proscenium is 55 feet, and it's 110 feet from the proscenium to the back of the hall. The that's the amazing. Hall. Yeah, that's and that amazing. And so that's it's quite intimate. Yes, very very much so. And it's uh, I have seen uh, stages proscenium arches not that big in venues twice that size. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what, I mean, it was really just a, a beautiful, beautiful space. And uh, and I don't worry about uh, pumping it up too much because anyone who goes and walks in the room will immediately... And I agree. And, and one more time, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to remind you about how you may attend the Valley Performing Arts Center yourself and for especially Mr. Ed Asner coming up in FDR this Thursday, March 17th, and for any and all other events on their beautiful, beautiful calendar... Tickets may be purchased by visiting the Valley Performing Arts Center box office on at excuse me at Cal, on campus at Cal State University at Northridge or by calling the box office directly at 818-677-3000 or online at Ticketmaster.com. And we want to thank uh, Robert Buecher for joining us today. We're actually uh, coming up on running out of time here, but we want to thank you very much, Robert, for joining us. And, Michael, would you please uh, tell the folks who we have coming up next week? Yes, indeed. Please join us next week, ladies and gentlemen, when our guests are two of the original cast of the legendary hit television series, The Waltons, still in syndication today. Mama Walton, Miss Michael Learned. And Walton family daughter, Erin, played by Miss Mary McDonough. We'll be talking to Miss Learned about her starring role in Southern Comforts, Southern Comforts at the International City Theater in Long Beach, California, and to Mary McDonough about her new book, Lessons from the Mountain, What I Learned, being released by the Kensington Publishing Corporation in just a few short weeks. So that'll be a Walton's Monday. It will be indeed. Well, we thank you, uh, Robert, for joining us. Thank you so much. What My a pleasure. pleasure. And we thank want you. to also thank uh, Ed Asner for joining us. And remember, FDR on St. Patrick's Day, this Thursday at Valley Performing Arts Center. Don't miss it. Michael, talk to you next week. Indeed. See you on the radio. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio.